Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Gentlemen, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. This is an episode of Saturday Morning Coffee, which means it's going to come on on a Saturday morning. I expect you to be drinking a good, manly, black cup of coffee. No creamer for you. You're a man. You drink your beer, your whiskey, and your, your coffee the same way. Dark and pure. Your beer must adhere to the German purity laws and be darker than the skin of the darkest girl I've dated, which is fairly dark, by the way, your whiskey must be dark and straight, and your coffee must be black. The thicker, the better. No creamer allowed. No sweetener. Anyway, (laughs) we're going to do a podcast this morning talking about um, addiction and pornography, and masturbation, and some of the things that go along with it. So if you don't want to have that conversation with the person you're listening with, whether it's a child or a girl or whoever it might be, although, frankly, if you're all adults, it would not be a bad conversation to have and not a bad conversation to listen to. Uh, But we are going to broach those topics, and I'm going to talk about them frankly. So um, just a warning. Last thing before we get into it, uh, make sure that you are sharing this podcast with people that you love, people you know, men in your life, women in your life, whoever it might be, anybody that needs to listen to it. Make sure that you are sharing this thing, building this uh, this community of Christian men who are driven to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth, driven to reclaim masculinity in the modern world. I heard somebody, um, I heard somebody describe this movement as a Christian manhood revival, and I love that. Uh, there's a lot of Christian men out there who are choosing to live classically, maybe is the right word, live as men, live like real men, which is not the way society a lot of times expects us to live. So um, I love that idea of a, of a, a revival. It's a men's revival. I think that's awesome. I think it's a great thing for our church. I think it's a great thing for our communities. I think it's a great thing for the people that we love. Anyway. Let's get into it. Uh, I want to talk to you about um, addiction. It's just something that's come up over and over again in my conversations with a couple different people, um, uh, whether it's my accountability partners. I have various accountability partners who I uh, know and love, and we talk weekly. I talk weekly with each of them, um, and we confess to each other so I know what's going on in their hearts and in their lives. Um, and we, of course, absolve each other then and pronounce forgiveness on each other. Um, I also... Just like happened to listen to a couple of podcasts that talked about um, the what goes on in your brain and the chemicals and and just the, how powerful um, both drugs are and then the other side when like whether it's social media or pornography or 
like even like working out and some of that kind of stuff can can really turn into a complex or or a condition where it truly is um, addiction. Um, and in the last place, I've been uh, in in a week or so or a couple of weeks here. Um, Chester Reineman, who has been on a podcast before, is a friend of the podcast. He's a good dude, Vicar down in Georgia right now. Hey, Mister Rein or Vicar Reineman. Anyway, um, so Vicar Reineman is the guy who's going to do a book talk with me on Mike Novotny's book that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, Pastor Mike Novotny wrote a book called From Dirty to Dancing, and it's all about recovery from porn and reshaping the way you think and and kind of reforming your mind and coming back to the truth, back to reality, back to what uh, we really ought to be and how we really ought to see each other. Uh, and it's a fantastic book, a fantastic read. I'm loving it, but he talks also about some of those chemicals in your brain, um, and why it is so addictive and why it is what it is. Um, and so those things all swirling around in my head at the same time all collided today when I was reading from this book of Second Corinthians, and I'll tie that in later. Um, but the foundation of my conversation today is death, actually. The foundation of my conversation today is death. And the fact that death isn't natural, and that's why it hurts. Um, when we were created by God, we were created by a God who loved us, and his intention for us was to live forever with him. So humans were supposed to be fruitful, increase in number, fill up the earth, and God walked with humans because humans were perfect. They were made in God's image. They were never intended to die. And when Adam and Eve sinned and our life became a perversion, um, the consequences of that sin is death. And so that's the first thing we need to understand is that a death is not something we were meant to experience. We were not, never, ever were we meant to experience anything like this at all. Um, it's more than just loss and loneliness uh, for missing the ones that we love. It hurts because God designed us in an incredibly powerful way. Actually, all kinds of incredibly powerful ways. Um, and the people and things that we know and love and enjoy make us feel good and they're pleasant and we enjoy them. And and on, in a superficial way, a lot of times when we experience death, we say, well, I miss them um, because I enjoyed them or because I liked them or because now I'm lonely or you know, you you know the you know the conversations we have around funerals, um, but this this enjoyment, this good feeling, this pleasantness that we experience when we are with people or experiencing things, these are more than just mental and emotional feelings. Um, they are powerful chemicals being produced and released into our bodies, um, oxytocin, dopamine, etc., which trigger in us that sense of bliss and euphoria. Now, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a biologist. Um, this is just if I get some of the, if I'm not absolutely spot on. Um, if you're one of those wicked smart people that can actually name all those chemicals and that kind of thing, forgive me if I was wrong. On but you understand the point I'm coming at here right? Uh, there's powerful chemicals at work. It's not just something mental. It's something physical. Um, it's something spiritual that we're experiencing when we are um, enjoying each other's company and when we love each other, okay? And second, um, these chemicals in our brain and in our bodies tie powerful physical and neurological bonds between whatever we're doing and what we're feeling, so there's incredibly strong neurological, chemical, physical bonds between whatever we're doing and what we feel. Um, it, these chemicals and these neurological changes uh, are the reason why uh, 
healthy sex is so important in marriage. And, and statistics show overwhelmingly that couples who have healthy sex lives throughout the course of their marriage are going to stay together. It's not even like an issue of, it's not even like an issue of, you know, they're more likely to stay together. They do. They stay together. And those are truly healthy sex lives. Um, and, and so people that are, you know, cheating or using pornography or that kind of thing. Those are not healthy sex lives. Those don't count. Um, even if they are actively having sex, those are not healthy sex lives. Those don't count. So, um, those marriages, they continue because, well, I mean, think about it. I've never been married. You guys know I've never been married, but think about it this way. You're not going to get your wife to have sex with you. You're not going to convince your wife to make love with you if you guys aren't right, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if you're constantly arguing, is she going to want to sleep with you? Maybe like right away, like it, it's a way to stop the argument or whatever. But 10, 15, 20 years from now, if you're still arguing every single day, if you don't see eye to eye, if you don't actually love each other the way Jesus loved us, I really doubt that you're going to have any kind of active, intimate relationship. And so... You have to make sure things are right between each other in order to do this. And it's a God designed us that way. It's important. It's a good thing. It's the way God made us, and it's good. I can't digress there, but stay with me. Uh, it's also so these chemicals, <laughs> the, the, these feelings, these chemicals, this neurological bond that's going on. It's also why people love to work out. You've noticed that, right? Like people who are super fit and super active, they always talk about how good they feel after they work out and how happy they are. And they post all over social media to tell us how great they are at working out. Like that's CrossFit communities. It's combining people together. So interpersonal relationships with this uh, endorphin kick that comes when you work out. And then um, like as you work out, the more you work out and the better shape you get into, the more <laughs> endorphins you start uh, experiencing and the better you feel and now there's health involved like there's so many benefits to being in a community like that it's awesome it's awesome and that's why people love it it really truly is addictive in a good way and it's why funny people have more friends because they release chemicals in you when you laugh like when you when you're laughing so hard it hurts right when you when you really truly are enjoying the person that you're with it releases chemicals and bonds you to that person. Like you crave that feeling again. So you want to be with that person. That's why funny people have friends. It's also why food is such a powerful tool, right? You eat the food. It nourishes you. It releases all these good endorphins and chemicals, whatever going on inside your mind and inside your body. And now you and I are bonding more than just with words, more than just with physical presence and open communication. But now there's food on the table, which is adding more feeling and meaning to the relationship that we're building when we eat together. It's incredibly powerful. And it's like for a nerd, like, I'm not a super nerd, but it's just like so mind-blowing how incredibly well God made us. (laughs) All of these feelings and bonds and chemicals are part of how we were designed by a holy, omnipotent, and almighty God. They are all good, they are all natural, and all of these things are powerful, which is a good thing when we live the way God tells us to live, but we don't always do that. We have a tendency, a we are proficient 
at ruining the things that God gave us. We are proficient. We are quite good. We excel in the realm of ruining the gifts that God gave us. So um, when we manipulate and corrupt and, I can't think of the right word, ruin um, these gifts, they become dangerous to our lives and souls and relationships and eternities, and, and they control us either way. They either control us in the right ways, binding us to each other, driving us closer to our Heavenly Father, giving us glimpses of His eternal glory. That's really what, um, I mean, think about the feelings you have when you're having sex, when you are um, like laughing so hard it feels like your sides are going to split. Like Those are glim- eating a great hamburger. <laughs> Those are glimpses into eternity that God has put there for us to experience. They're good. But when we choose, when we do that synthetically, whether it's drugs that are going into our system, whether it's pornography and masturbation uh, simulating that sexual experience, um, whether it's food that becomes an addiction or alcohol or um, social media, all these things are simulations of a gift that God has given us, but they're empty. There's nothing behind them. There's no substance to them. They're not real. And so that's why the metaphor that Martin Luther uses of drowning the old man in sorrow and contrition is so accurate and so hard. I never really appreciated what he was saying there until today. I you know, it was like, put it down because you want to you know, make sure that you're better, more good. And it was like a yin-yang picture in my brain. Like you're always trying to push him out the door so that you can be more white than, than black, that you can be more Jesus than not Jesus, that you can be more good than evil, right? But that's not what he's saying. Our sins are a perversion of the good things that God has given us and blessed us with. And it is not natural that we should give those things up. It is not natural that we should step away from those wonderful gifts. But in order to do, use them as God intended, once we've abused them, in order to go back and use them again the way that God intended, we have to give them up and kill them. We have to drown them in daily sorrow and contrition. These feelings, these chemicals, these these neurological bonds that tie us to the things we're addicted to, those chemicals are a good thing, and we were never intended to give them up and go back, which makes it so hard to kill them. Think of it this way. If I want to have Christ as the center of my marriage, if I want to have Christ as the center of my life, um, and I want to enjoy the gift of sex the way God has given it, to us, and I want to have a healthy sex life with my wife, I can't. So if I have a history of pornography and masturbation, I have already experienced in a, on a small scale in an empty shadow, I have experienced that feeling of euphoria and bliss that uh, accompanies sexual relations with my partner. It has been perverted. It is no longer this wonderful gift that God has given me because it's bonding me to sin, and sin drives the good from my heart and from my life and will eventually, if unchecked, kill my soul. So instead of letting that happen, I must kill those desires, those chemicals, those neurological pathways 
that drive me towards sin and rebuild them, let them be reborn as good. Uh, and that's where Second Corinthians ties in here. We're killing off our sinful self, but we shouldn't be discouraged by how difficult that is because in 1 Corinthians 15, these are selected verses. I'm not reading straight through, but these are selected verses from 1 Corinthians 15. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. But God gives it a body as he, was, as he has determined. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, but it is raised in a spiritual body. And therefore, dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You catch that? I'm going to read that again, that last verse. Therefore, dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord, even if that labor is drowning your, especially when that labor is drowning your sin, drowning your old man in daily sorrow and contrition, that labor in the Lord is not in vain. Give yourself over fully to that work. In every phase of your life, in every vocation of your life, give yourself over to the work of the Lord and let nothing move you. Stand firm and look ahead. Every single day of this life, every single day of your earthly life, you will have to kill that old man in you and drown him in daily sorrow and contrition. Every single morning on this earth, you are going to wake up a wretched and dreadful sinner who has to be washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. The good news is we have been, and God no longer sees our sin, but sees Jesus' righteousness. So one day I will die. And that day will be the best day of my life because on that day that I die, that death is a release from this body of sin into the heavenly bliss and glory that I was created for. It's a release from this earth back to Eden. It's a release from the daily struggle against sin into heavenly glory where I can rest peacefully in the arms of my Savior where I will be able to join my brothers and sisters in an eternal song, singing praises to the God who not only loved me in the garden when I was perfect and holy, but loved me enough to send his son to die for me, to wash me clean and bring me back home to him. I am the sheep that Jesus carried home, the shepherd carried home on his shoulders and rejoiced when I returned. I am the prodigal child who will return home to Eden to my heavenly Father on the last day. And I cannot thank God enough for that. So take heart, gentlemen. You do not you do face an impossible challenge overcoming sin and death. But it's not your battle to fight anymore. Victory has already been won by a loving savior who has your eternity in mind. God bless you, gird up, and have a great week.